Hello, everyone, and thank you for plugging in for another episode of Plugged In with Diane Warren. Unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond our control, we have had to cancel the second part of our August double feature on FASD awareness and apologize for our inability to cover such an important topic at this time. We are, however, joined today by an amazing guest, Good Learning Anywhere's own Clara Corbier, with whom we will be discussing the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, better known as Orange Shirt Day. We would like to take this time to let you know that we will be discussing the impacts of Canada's Indian residential schools, and some may find this topic traumatic and triggering. If you're finding yourself having difficulties with this subject matter, please reach out to the Residential School Survivors Hotline. Their number is 1-866-925-4419. This podcast is produced by the team at Good Learning Anywhere, and our theme music is by bensound.com. We are your hosts, Diane Altinbelek and Warren Butler. Hi, Warren. How are you doing today? Hey, Diane. No, I'm doing good. How was your weekend? A weekend was great. Um, my uh, eldest has started kindergarten now, so I can't say the same for Monday mornings. Uh, my, my youngest got a little bit of separation anxiety and doesn't like it when my eldest leaves the car for drop-off, so we might have to switch their drop-offs now. Oh, boy. There you go. Exciting times. Oh, totally exciting. I actually heard something pretty cool on the radio uh, that I thought you might enjoy. Apparently today is National Kids Take Over the Kitchen Day. And they really? are promoting, I don't know, it might not be national, it might just be a Thunder Bay thing. But it was pretty cool because they were talking about letting your kids take over the kitchen either for a baking project or a meal or something. And they started talking about all of the important skills that they get from that using math in the kitchen learning to follow detailed instructions being creative with food and it kind of gave me some warm fuzzies because it made me think of all of the attempts that we had at kitchen courses here and uh, a previous guest that we had that ran a cooking class for us and I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world to hear them talk about the real life skills gained from cooking oh yeah no that's awesome yeah I know uh, I know my guys they like uh, they like to work them, their way around the kitchen. Yeah, they like we've had our own little cooking contests at home during the the pandemic when we had to stay at home. So try to make it make it a little entertaining, but uh, yeah. So they're uh, they're back in school. So hopefully there's no uh, kitchen noise in the background to interrupt our our podcast with Clara. <laughs> Even if it is, at least you get some good food out of it afterwards. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> So uh, let's introduce our guest, GLA's own Clara. So we have her here with us today to discuss Orange Shirt Day, which is now the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. The reason we brought her on is because last year she gave this amazing presentation in our sharing circle. And uh, it was all about the origins of the day and why we observe this day in solidarity for residential school survivors. And we wanted to bring her back to talk about it again. It's not only still an important topic, but an increasingly important topic um, in light of some of the tragedy that has been discovered on the grounds of former residential schools. 
And uh, we also wanted to do a little bit of shameless self-promotion for our upcoming Sharing Circle event on uh, the 20th of September. So hello, Clara. How are you today? Hi, Diane. I'm doing great. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at uh, Good Learning Anywhere? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, this December, I believe it's going to be 10 years I've been with Good Learning Anywhere. It's actually uh, nine. <laughs> is it nine? Yeah, oh, you wow. were hired on the same day as me and my ninth is coming up. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. So I'm going to do another year. No, just kidding. When I first started, I thought, okay, I'm going to do a couple of years of this and then see what's going to go on. And um, when I first started with adult literacy, I went to the first conference with ONLC. And when I got there, one of the late, one of the coordinators says, oh, you're in literacy now. You're never getting out. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I, yep. you know, I, I came into here, sorry about this, Warren, but I came in here thinking this was going to be my stepping stone job into some big career in education. And this became my big career in education. Um, I like coming up in nine years, exactly the same as you. Mm -hmm. And this has become my home now. Yeah, that's for sure. So um, other than being with Good Learning Anywhere as an instructor, a mentor, um, and doing curriculum development. I am also a grandmother to five children. And uh, just thinking about it, because yesterday was grandparents day and we had a big um, to do with uh, my parents and me and we were counting up grandchildren and I was really surprised. I've got five hmm. and they range from 17 years old down to seven months. So <laughs> a lot of busy, busy, busy schedules with grandchildren, hockey and uh, dance class and uh, tennis lessons. So quite busy. I also enjoy crafting, scrapbooking, reading and hunting. Uh, so I'm getting getting anxious to get out into the bush. Uh, Manitoulin's leaves have already changed. Some areas seem to be at their peak already, which really surprises me. Wow. It's really yeah. early, isn't it? It is. Uh, well, for though that area, I think it is really early. My my maple usually starts turning uh, mid August. Okay. So my one soft maple, but it's I'm like the temperatures are just perfect for fall. It's just you see a lot of families out by the uh, campfire in the evenings. It's it's fall. <laughs> <laughs> I made my first comfort food meal last night, um, barley, beef barley and um, hot scones. So, I mean, I'm ready. Bring on, bring on the sweaters and the pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> I think we probably had our last uh, steak barbecue of the year uh, now because uh, we had a fire. It was cooling down. And uh, we are starting to see fall happen too, which is really strange for us because in Thunder Bay, it used to be a really, really abrupt change, a very, very short fall and a very abrupt winter. And now we're actually seeing fall start end of August and it's a little bit longer, which is really, really nice because we actually get to experience the fall weather a little bit more and do the sweaters and soups. But the... Uh, problem is that we know that this is a result of climate change which kind of is worrying so exactly uh, we we can't we we try not to let ourselves enjoy it too much <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we try to up here. We try to make it last as long as possible. Yeah, um, snow usually flies um, around Halloween, so um, we're looking forward to uh, the snow again. I'm a cold weather girl, so anything that's not above five degrees <laughs> usually doesn't uh, bode well with me. I was never a weather person until I had kids and now they really enjoy snow and outdoor activities and now I'm actually excited for winter which is a little bit of a 180 in my personality but I'm finding the older I get the more I appreciate the cold weather in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Warren? No, for me, um, you know what? Uh, I like whatever season it is. I, I just try to make the most out of it. So if it's the summertime, like I, I, can't, I can't handle the sun. I'm, I'm fair skinned and I, I burn real easy. But as long as, you know, sunscreen, I want to be outside and, and active. And it's kind of like the winter too. You know, our, our family, you know, we try to do a ski trip once a year if we can. Um, my boys are always playing hockey. So we're always in the rinks and it gets a little chilly, but, uh, you know, it's like anything, right? If as long as you're prepared for it, it can be a lot of fun. And like, I remember the days of going to the, bringing the kids to the toboggan Hills and, you know, it's freezing cold while you're stand and watch. So you may as well jump in and get a couple <laughs> rides yourself. Right. So exactly, we're all, we're all big kids too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Warren, I see that you're wearing your orange shirt. So that's actually a pretty, uh, pretty good jump into our main topic for this podcast today. Uh, Clara, could you tell us a bit about what Orange Shirt Day is? Okay, so Orange Shirt Day was inspired by Phyllis Jack Webstead's story. Um, her story in 1973. Three, she was six years old and uh, her grandmother had scraped enough money to get a new school outfit for her. So she was, Phyllis was just going to residential school. This is going to be her first time. She chose a bright, shiny orange shirt for her first day of school outfit. And when she got to the school, they immediately took her brand new clothes away uh, they cut her hair and made a lot of changes. All of a sudden, she was just like everybody else in the school. Um, so in 2013, uh, they launched Orange Shirt Day. And ever since then, it's been um, growing. And its goal is really to educate people about uh, residential schools in Canada. And it's also to... Um, to honor and remember the experiences and the losses of all those First Nation, Inuit, and Métis children who were basically stolen from their families and placed into these uh, industrial schools. And September 30th, the reason that that date is rather important is because it represents the time of year when the Indian agents would go and round up all of the children to go to residential schools. I remember that when Orange Shirt Day started, it took a little while to get it going and uh, constantly having conversations about why the orange shirt is symbolic and why this is important to educate people on. So I really, really appreciate how now uh, Orange Shirt Day has actually kind of evolved into a nationally recognized um, stat holiday. It's weird to call it a holiday um, just because it's not, it's something we observe and it's something that we remember and it's time that we take to educate ourselves, but it's not something to really be celebrated. 
but I'm glad that it's becoming nationally recognized. I've actually been really, really impressed with how the city has handled it because even though it's not a provincial stat holiday and it's not a complete shutdown for the day to observe this, um, but our city in Thunder Bay, uh, all city services are shutting down uh, a lot of, uh, we're still kind of in the dark about whether schools are gonna be closed that day. Um, but uh, I appreciate this, the, this, that my hometown at least is doing their best to actually observe it and publicize it and so forth and try to raise awareness. I'm not sure how that's going in either of your areas. In Toronto, um, I expect there'll be a lot of different uh, events. Um, I, I haven't heard of like any main ones that are happening. I think there's going to be a couple smaller ones that are, that are happening downtown. But to be honest, it makes me a little nervous with COVID and everything and having large groups come together. But um, I know, uh, you know, my wife's workplace, they're, they're going to take some time to, uh, to observe the day. Um, and I think that was a key word that you used early on, Diane, was uh, observe, because it's, it's not a holiday. It's not a, a day off. It's a, it's a day of, of reflection and, and moving forward. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like I, I've, you know, I've been, it's been on my mind for a very long time now, and uh, I'll be curious to see what the city of Toronto is going to do. Yeah, and I'm curious to see how it evolves going forward as well. I uh, would. I have no idea what kind of events are planned around the city, but I really hope that we see something. But I think uh, it's a good opportunity to talk about what impacts the events of the resident, uh, residential school era have had. And uh, maybe Clara wants to inform us a little bit about once what some of those impacts are. Oh boy, <laughs> heavy loaded question. Um, so. We all know that the last reg residential school uh, closed in around 95, 96. Um, and if we think about that, think about all the people who went through the residential schools. Uh, many of these people are now our leaders. There are teachers, there are parents and grandparents. Um, so the impacts of residential school have affected all of these individuals. Um, so even though the schools have closed, their effects, the effects of residential school are ongoing, uh, both for the survivors and their descendants. Um, so they all share in the intergenerational effects of uh, personal trauma and loss. So loss of the language, loss of the culture, loss of the traditional teachings and the mental and spiritual well-being. Um, so that has really affected generations of indig Indigenous people who were denied the development of their parenting skills. So a lot of these pa parents did not learn uh, the parenting skills before, res that before residential school happened. So by being removed from their communities and their families and not having the attention that they were used to getting, has really made it difficult for residential school survivors and their families. And then there's all the impacts of trauma elsewhere too. Um, things like addiction and approaches to health and so on, and how those things become transmitted intergenerationally too. 
and those have contributed to really vicious stereotypes and poor attitudes towards Indigenous communities. Yeah, so starting this year, um, some of the, like it's really bringing attention to uh, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. So the, the term Orange Shirt Day and uh, National Day of Recon- Truth and Reconciliation are kind of interchangeable. Um, but it's my hope that in identifying this day that people will take this as an opportunity to learn about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's report and really take time to learn about residential schools and the effects that those have had on our Aboriginal people. Yeah, I'm actually kind of a little bit disappointed that it's taken this long. Like, it was when Stephen Harper was Prime Minister that he issued the formal apology and had acknowledged the residential school system and the events of which as a form of cultural genocide. And that's when the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was kicked off. I think the report came out in 2015. And Orange Shirt Day became recognized in 2013. And here it is 2021. And we're still battling to promote awareness of these issues. And it bothers me. Like, I'm glad that those graves were discovered and that those children are coming home. But... It really, really bothers me that it took this long to for the, the importance of recognizing and acknowledging this dark history to be acknowledged. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional here. That's okay. That's okay. Um, one of the things with the uh, truth and reconciliation, I think, and the reason that it's taken so long is that uh, the population has not really uh, read the report. Uh, They hear little snippets about, say, Truth and Reconciliation uh, number 14. This is just an example. Um, It's not the actual one, but uh, number 14 is education. Um, So if people in Canada who don't know what happened at residential schools don't take the time to read this report, uh, to do their research, to learn, they're not gonna go all gung-ho in trying to uh, learn about this information and um, to move forward in those recommendations of the uh, report. Um, I think Gord Downey did a fabulous job with bringing forth the uh, story of Wenjack um, in residential school and how he lost his life trying to get home. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the major push because it happened at a time where this Canadian celebrity brought one person's life to the forefront and used his celebrity to make sure that Canadians knew at least one story. Yeah, and I will always appreciate Gord Downey for that because uh, it's kind of rare to see such a powerful ally in, uh, in a celebrity like that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's another thing that makes it sad that he's gone because he had the power to do a lot of good. 
uh, regarding this awareness. Exactly. So let's switch gears a little bit. So do you think there are some potential positive outcomes from recognizing the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation? Well, uh, the first positive is that they actually made it uh, an actual day where uh, people will have an opportunity to learn about the Truth and Reconciliation Report. As a statutory holiday for federal and um, federally regulated workers, they will have the time off. Uh, hopefully they will use that time to participate in any of the events that are going on on that day. Like the two, you two are in larger centers than I am in. Um, so you may have more activities going on in your community. Uh, but within my community, uh, we're just coming out of a code red line uh, because there was a COVID uh, case. Uh, there were actually 14 on Manitoulin Island at the time. So we just automatically got bumped up to the red. So there, we're back basically to the start where there's no gatherings, uh, nothing happening at all. But there is quite a few online um, ce celebratory events, uh, which will be providing uh, training and education. And one of the places to locate that information is through the Orange Shirt Society. But what I think one of the potential outcomes is that it really gives people an opportunity to say, okay, September 30th is this uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. People will be reminded about what happened in the residential schools. And if they're able to take a look at the uh, TRC's uh, calls to action and maybe just choose one or two and make that their goal uh, for the year to um, learn a little bit to ensure that this tragic history uh, that Canada has and the legacy of residential schools will never be forgotten because it's going to happen every year and the information is going to be there and hopefully as time goes on uh, more people will become uh, aware of what happened and what is going on and why things why the Aboriginal community is having such a difficult time with moving on Mm -hmm. uh, because right now there is a lot of, oh, get over it uh, type of deal. And uh, how quickly um, the news shifted from 215 bodies being found uh, to, I believe the last number I read for Canada was 1,013 plus uh, bodies have been found at residential schools in Canada. Um, yeah, I think it's actually higher than that now, but uh, that news is really, really hard to handle. Um, so I, I'm sad to admit this, but I don't seek it out um, as much as I probably should because it's just such a, um, it's, it's a real big gut punch for me and uh, difficult to read it, and especially being a mother of young kids that are entering a school system and thinking about how not that long ago, um, like I was 16 years old when the last residential school finally shut down. That means this was going on with 
families in my community being victimized in my lifetime. And uh, so it's, it's difficult, you know, it's not, uh, it's not something that um, people who are not super understanding of the impacts of this, it's, uh, it's difficult to uh, hear that uh, Indigenous communities need to get over this and move on and everything. Well, we haven't really been afforded the opportunity or the chances to move on. And this is a step towards that. Um, and I kind of hope that uh, those people do become educated and that their tone changes a little bit. I know it's not going to be everybody. I know it's going to be a slow process. But I do think that the recognizing this day is definitely a step in the right direction. Warren, anything to add? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think as well um, with the schools, like right now, you know, I, I'm very interested to see what schools are going to do uh, locally for the kids today. Um, and, the, and the reason is, is, you know, if they make it a full day of, you know, what we've been talking about of, of learning and education and, um, you know, understanding and, and compassion, like there's a lot of good opportunities here for the kids of today to learn about the, the history. And I'm hoping the schools will be involved because what will happen is then hopefully that information comes home and the kids can talk to their parents. And now it's a family discussion. And, um, you know, that helps, I think, you know, create some more dialogue, keep the conversations going um, and, uh, and continue the movement. So um, I, I really hope the schools step up this year and, and you know, continue to teach the kids. I think it's a, it's a good step forward. I hope so too. I also hope that they don't wait on it because I know that when tough conversations need to be had, there's a lot of rhetoric about the kids are too young to understand this. And I don't think they are. I think that the earlier we start educating on this and not just from the historical point of view, but the discriminating against people who are different is wrong. Even if we just approach it from the racism issues um, to start with, I don't think that there's a time that's too early to start educating children on this. Definitely not. Um, just to add to that, my youngest granddaughter is six years old. And before school closed for the session, right around the time that they found the initial 215 bodies, um, she came home from school one day and uh, she hopped into her car seat like usual and we started talking about her day. And that's when she came out to me and said, Grandma, did you go to residential school? And I, I told her, no, I didn't go to residential school, but your great grandma did. And she just said, oh, and then she was really silent. And then the next time we went to go visit my mother, um, Violet was sitting at the table with her glass of milk and her cookie. And she was talking uh, to my mother and says, uh, Grandma, did you go to residential school? And she said, yes. And they started having the conversation right there about residential school, about my mother's experiences. Um, and Violet was able to share what she had learned about residential school and the experiences that other people had. And she said to my mother, and this 
this chokes me up still. They took kids my age away from their mommies and their daddies. And that, sorry, I, I'm getting really emotional at that because that, that hits home. Um, to think my Violet could have been taken away at that age. So just think about what those families were feeling like if we feel like this today and a lot of those kids didn't come home. I often think about the families that ended there and the potential that we missed out on from people who could have had the potential to, you know, cure diseases or be the world's next great leaders. Mm -hmm. And thinking about how they were just gone one day. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm also getting emotional. Uh, it's a difficult topic. I'm it glad is. we're I'm glad we're discussing it though. Um, you know, it's it's important to have these conversations, and not every podcast can be you know entertaining and uplifting. Sadly, but um, in a way, we're hoping that the impact of this in the future is that we are uplifted. Um, the voices need to be heard. Have conversations with the elders in your family and ask. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, one final question for you. Um, where can people get an orange shirt and learn more about truth and reconciliation? Even just okay. as a starting point. Yeah, I think for um, just to start would be going to um, www.orangeshirtday.org forward slash. That is the original orange um, they're called the Orange Shirt Society. Um, they have the story, Phyllis's story. Phyllis is actually on the board of directors for this group. Um, they have a gift shop, um, which includes the original orange shirts um, with Every Child Matters on it. Um, or you could also reach out to any of the Aboriginal entrepreneurs who work with uh, creating um, the t-shirts. I highly recommend though, you do your research, make sure it's not one of the companies that's coming out of uh, the US or China with these mass produced t-shirts where the logo has been um, lifted from uh, somebody's webpage. Um, if you're on Facebook, I mean, my Facebook feed has been just flashing with um, Every Child Matters t-shirts. And then when I do a little bit of research, I find out, oh, okay, they're made in China. Um, there's also now running shoes uh, being advertised for Every Child Matters. Um, again, that's uh, an American company that is using a company from China to create those running shoes. And none of the money made from those items go back into uh, research and um, supports for those who were in residential schools. Whereas Orange Search Society uh, puts a 
portion of the uh, monies raised back into the organization or towards uh, mental health um, organizations to help the, the people who went to residential school or their descendants who are having difficulty dealing with what they are finding out now about their, their parents or their grandparents. Um, so just be really, really careful about where you're giving your money to. Um, if you give it to one of the ones that I recommended, uh, you know that there is going to be a portion of the, the profit given back into the community. Yeah. And there's a couple of ways to tell too. So if you see an advertisement on your Facebook and they're advertising orange shirts for 12 or $13, uh, that's probably a for-profit company. If you're seeing them for closer to 30 or $40, um, they're probably going to be pretty transparent about where their proceeds are going. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how it is in your areas, but in Thunder Bay, there's a number of Indigenous owned businesses that are selling orange shirts and also non Indigenous owned local businesses. And they will be quite frank with you, they will put up a sign that's saying all proceeds are going to the the Indigenous Residential School Survivor Society or Downey Wenjack. They're making Mm -hmm. donations with the profits from these shirts, at least. So don't be afraid to go and ask those questions. If you see an orange shirt being sold in a store in your area, ask um, where are the proceeds, where are the profits from these shirts going? So another thing that's popped up on my Facebook that I just wanted to draw some quick attention to is uh, Phyllis Webstad's actually got an event on Facebook Live coming up on September 20th at 2 p.m. It looks like 2 p.m. UTC. So I'm not sure exactly which time zone that is. But uh, this is a live event where you will get to hear her speak. If you join it, you can search for Hear Phyllis Webstad's Truth on Facebook to find that event. Um, And it is produced by uh, Medicine Wheel Education. So that's going to be in the afternoon after we do our sharing circle on the same day. So I'm actually looking forward to attending that and uh, hearing some information straight from the originator of uh, this Awareness Day. Um, and of course we have our sharing circle coming up as well. So that is a live event that is going to be put on by Good Learning Anywhere. It is going to be hosted by myself and Clara. If any of our listeners are interested in joining in on that, you can register through goodlearninganywhere.com slash register, or you can email us at info at shlc.ca for more information on getting in touch with us there. Uh, any final thoughts, Warren? No, I, I'm really hoping that uh, that people sign up for the sharing circle on Monday, the 20th of September. Um, I'm sure the listeners that have that have heard this podcast already um, are starting to to realize and understand that there's a lot more that we have have to do and that we have to learn. So I think if people are, are listening and wondering, okay, well, what can I do? Well, I think maybe attending our sharing circle is a, is a really good first step. 
Yeah. And for those that think, you know, well, I don't need to attend the sharing circle because I've already listened to this podcast episode. Um, that is false. Uh, and the reason why is because our sharing circles not only go into a little bit more detail, but we're able to provide visuals. We're able to give a lot more resources. Um, and not only that, but you can ask questions that are on your mind. With the podcast, you know, you might or you might not email me with a question. Most people don't. Yes, that option is available, but you can ask Clara questions and get clarity and ask where you can find resources in real time. You can interact with us. Um, and of course, see some of the stunning visual presentations that we put together as well. I'm a really, really big fan of our sharing circles. We only have them a few times a year. And no matter the topic, it's always uh, a good way to get a little bit of education and learning on a number of different topics that are very important to us. So please go to goodlearninganywhere.com and register for the sharing circle today. Um, Clara, did you have anything you wanted to say before we said goodbye? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just really encourage people to come out uh, to our sharing circle. Um, I'll be ready to respond to anything that anybody asks. And I will do my best to give them the uh, best of my knowledge information. Thank well, you. Last year's was amazing. So I am very, very much looking forward to you revisiting the topic. And especially now that we've got some new information going forward. And again, with the national recognition of the day, um, I'm... Uh, I'm excited. I'm actually really excited for it, even though it's going to be a difficult topic. <laughs> boxes of Kleenex. <laughs> boxes, boxes and boxes of Kleenex. <laughs> okay, so that is it for us. If anybody has any questions or feedback regarding today's episode, please feel free to email me, diane at shlc.ca. That's diane, D-I-A-N-E at shlc.ca. Uh, thank you very much for being here, Clara. Warren, it was always, as always, it was great to see you. And uh, we will uh, be back next month with another episode. Mm -hmm.